Welcome to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a podcast about money, investing, and bringing home the bacon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, and have I got a treat for you. After a bit of a hiatus, Mr. Don is back on the podcast. Don, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. Took a, took a little break, nothing too long, but I was dealing with some crazy work stuff and happy to be back. Well, that's... Gonna be jumping into uh, a new book or talking about a book today that I didn't know was a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I think that uh, you said, well, why don't we talk about the psychology of money? And I said, you mean the book? And you go, there's a book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a book. And it's a pretty good, it's a very popular book. Um, I had to go and reread it again for this uh, this episode. And yeah. just to segue back to our last conversation, by reread it, I mean I listened to it on Audible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the only way we read here is listen while you listen to a podcast. So <laughs> fair enough. I do read books still, but this one I I, I read I read a little of it, but I listened to a lot of it on Audible. So so where do you want to jump into this? I mean, I guess should we start at the macro kind of thoughts on the book, or should we dive into some of the chapters? Or what would you like to do? Yeah, let's just start at the macro of of what is the psychology of money and the idea of that plays of that uh, psychology meaning how behavior matters more than maybe financial acumen or how an individuals experience forms their rationality around money yeah, that's true. I, I think I think a lot of our experiences kind of color the way we think about money uh, throughout our lives, and for better and for worse in a lot of cases. So, I, rereading the book kind of helped. Re- I got to be honest with you. The first time I read the book, it was like, ah, that's nice. But I think I was looking for something really specific, you know, like some great advice. And then I just went back and read it again, and I was like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I just was, I don't think I was reading it with the right mindset, right? It wasn't necessarily going to change me that, or give me something to do, but it was going to make me think about things differently, I guess. Yeah. And I also think it is a different perspective than the technical sense. It's a different view of finance in general, because it's, it's not so much about knowing to invest your money in an ETF, it's like, how do I handle my money in general? And why do I handle my money like I handle my money? And how to change the perception of why I should handle my money a certain way. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that we, there, there's a lot of chapters in the book. We probably don't necessarily want to cover all that material in a summary, but was there any particular chapter that sort of stood out to you more than others maybe or or did was there a particular part of the book that you gravitated towards or yeah i think my my favorite chapter is the defining enough of of calculating what your amount of enough is in your life 
and and with that crafting your life to reach your enough um and i, I think the idea of uh, as you increase your wealth or salary not increasing your behavioral expenditure in accordance with how much you're making so getting a pay raise and then immediately getting a new car and so you're a net zero pay raise because you have a new car or just increasing lifestyle expenditures because now you have more money and ultimately you're not making more so i think establishing like your enough line of like what are you actually working for is a really great thought of the book and, and maybe you want a lot maybe you want two homes three homes you know a summer home a winter home and a, a regular home um but having that idea is really helpful in terms of trying to think of what you want to achieve in life yeah i i agree I, I, that was a really interesting chapter it was it really kind of put stuff in perspective in a lot of ways about you know you know, I'm I'm a little bit farther down the road towards retirement than you are, and like, when do, when do you decide to make that kind of transition in your life? How do you how do you how do you get there? I mean, I was thinking about the article someone linked to me this week about Jeff Bezos's five hundred million dollar yacht didn't have a helipad on it, so the girl he's dating currently is like a helicopter pilot. So he bought a seventy five million dollar I guess work boat that has a helicopter pad on it, and he just has it. I think now shadowing his, his main, main yacht. Okay. So obviously, the original five hundred million dollar yacht wasn't quite enough, depending yeah. on who Bezos was dating. So I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're going to drop another nearly hundred million bucks on a shadow boat because obviously that's what you'd want to do. But, yeah. I I'm not sure why he didn't get another $500 million yacht just with the new addition. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's inquiring minds want to know, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, enough is, is interesting because he talked about the fact that there are people who have had tremendous financial success, you know, investors on wall street who just could never stop. Right. They kept reaching despite all the success they had, they kept reaching for that next ring and eventually it cost them everything. Or people who, he talked about some of the fraudsters, right? Like, Yeah, the, billionaires who had billions and wanted more. Yeah, like <laughs> so they do anything to make more. I think he mentioned it like Bernie Madoff was quite wealthy before he started committing fraudulent acts. So, you know, positions that we would dream of, other people just couldn't find satisfaction in. So it's it right. is it, it was a great chapter. I agree. That was a really good one. Yeah. Did you have a favorite chapter? So that was a good one. That was one of the ones. One of the other chapters I really liked as an investor is Tales You Win. It was chapter six, um, and he talked about these you know these rare events, these black swan events, and how you know being prepared for these scenarios is going to be important. I mean, we saw one. Gosh, what is it? It's going on three years ago, like March of 2020, when the market absolutely collapsed um, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic and just completely overreacted and then immediately shook up and in, in, a, in a V-shaped recovery. We saw what a, 
you know, we got to see essentially what a black swan event might look like on the way down and the way back up. And if you were ready for that, that there's, that was kind of a tail event, but he's just saying certain investments in your portfolio can act as tails. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I've getting to experience the global pandemic and effect on the stock market was incredibly, it came at a pivotal time my life like i think is around the time i didn't have any uh i had no interest in the stock market prior to covid and <laughs> whenever it collapsed i was like oh this is a really great time to start learning about it and i wasn't as prepared as i wish i had been in fact i wasn't prepared at all uh whenever it did first crash and i was trying to learn as much as i could as fast as i could because i knew it was a once in a lifetime or maybe a black swan. Maybe there'll be multiples, uh, but certainly a more rare event. And I wanted to put as much money in the stock market as I could feasibly afford at the time when it was crashing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I completely agree of, of having the financial awareness and ability to react to that type of event to where, you come out on top because you were prepared is really, really a great thing. Well, sounds good. I mean, I, I guess another chapter that I liked, or is it, I guess, let me ask you, is there another chapter that you liked besides those that kind of jumped out at you? Yeah. Or, I, I like the, uh, chapter nine wealth is what you don't see. Um, the perception of riches versus wealth. Um, someone can be rich and they drive a nice car and they have a nice house and it looks from the exterior, they have extreme social status, but in their bank account, they live paycheck to paycheck. So they could definitely be rich, but they don't have flexibility of choosing where they work. They don't have flexibility in what they do with their life because they're kind of stuck in keeping up with their lifestyle expenditures. Where on wealth, you know, the other side is maybe it's someone driving an older car that they bought 15 years ago and it's paid off. They have the same house that they first bought. Uh, I think Warren Buffett's like, you know, he's lived in the same house for 30 years and his house is perfectly the same. And he says it all the time. He doesn't need a new house. Um, and wealth allows you to make more decisions and how you want to live your life because you aren't living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. You have the ability and flexibility to do more with your time how you choose. And so I, I always love the idea of wealth versus riches because wealth is it often works and moves and gives peace of mind and health to an individual way more than riches does. Uh, but riches is often what's portrayed as what you want. Um, and, and that comes into the whole marketing and targeted ads and all the different things of like you, what you see other people doing, they want you to see that so they can increase your lifestyle expenditure and, and all that. But understanding Again, but, and it relates to that enough philosophy is like, what are you really being influenced by? How are you 
getting what you actually want from the world. It, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I was a really good chapter. There was like there was like two chapters back to back, and chapter eight I think was like the man in the car paradox and talking about when he was a, a valet driver and he would park these super exotic cars, but discovered that you know all he really knew about the people driving those cars is they either had spent a lot of money on the car or they owed a lot of money on the car. <laughs> that was all it really said about them. <laughs> Um, I think you and I, of course, are going to love this chapter because we both drive modest vehicles. So we're trying to tell everybody we're wealthy as loud as we can by driving these <laughs> modest vehicles. We drive the most modest vehicle, baby, on the road. So. That's it, man. But that just means we're 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 wealthy, right? We're well. We're if we're healthy, we're wealthy, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a wealthy mindset. <laughs> I agree. That was a really good chapter. I I, I kind of dug that whole message. Yeah. I, I I was really it's interesting that right after that chapter he went into chapter 10 about saving money and mm -hmm. to me basically that's like the biggest deal right every time you talk about okay someone's starting out how do I help you with personal finance step one is save money you don't even have to invest you just save money if you if you are a saver Instead yeah. of a spender, you have essentially solved 75 per 80 percent of the equation of how am I going to become wealthy? Right. The rest is semantics. And I really like that chapter a lot um, because it just sort of popped in the idea of something we talked about before, something I've talked about before when I had to go solo is how important saving is. And so I kind of was it was good to see that chapter popped out there. And he kind of said, just save. You don't need a reason to save. Just save money. I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I dig that. I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I agree. And it it is such a, a simple topic, right? Just save money. <laughs> but it is it can go such a long way. And as long as you have like a mindset shift of saving money, it can really accelerate and just give you different perspectives of how to save money and all sorts of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, there was a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, I, I'm looking through the list of chapters. You, you put together like a summary for us on the list of chapters. And I was looking through there and it's like a lot of them, like as I look at them, I remember you know, reading the chapter. I remember thinking about what I read in the chapter. So, you know... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Is there is there any one there towards the end that pops out at you or or Yeah, I, I think this one's like I would say it's commonly known, but it's also like what is common and it, and it goes back to chapter 1 is like your individual experience of of how you think of things. I I think the the nothing's free um like the the hidden costs of free products and services and understanding why something's free or what how because nothing's actually free and I, I think that's a you know a very factual statement i've never had anything for my life that, that's free and but there's always free things buy one get one free no you bought one <laughs> so it's really 
you're not getting one free. You, you still paid money out of your account. You, oh, you didn't yeah. get anything for free. Um, and the whole, you know, ideology of like people love free things. I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent of free things. And, but understanding that 99% of the time there's costs factored into something that's free and it is related in some way to that. There's just underlying costs and, and, all sorts of different things that go along with something that's free. And sometimes like it is actually free, but it's it's really understanding what what costs are associated with, you know, free products and services. Well, remember that old adage online or with mobile apps, if if you don't know what the um if if you're getting something for free and you don't know what the product is or, or who's profiting from it, you, then you're the product. They're right. use, they're using your behaviors. You're tracking you. They're selling. They're upselling to you. You are the product. So, yeah, hundred percent. There's nothing free, especially really important to keep up with in this sort of modern digital economy because. We're bombarded by opportunities to spend money like IV drips in every turn, you know. Right. Everything is, all the companies have caught on the subscriptions, put money in their pocket on a monthly basis. So everything is subscription-based these days. It's crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't feel like there is a model where people don't have some form of subscription service embedded in what they want. And we're even seeing that with social media now. So Twitter's requiring... You know, buy your own blue check mark. Um, officially, got rid of all people who have had a blue check mark for however long. If they're a significant figure, now their board is saying you must pay us X amount of dollars to have that verification. Yeah, it's it's Twitter is a special special case. I mean. <laughs> Under under new leadership, it's definitely been almost a case study in, you know, changing a business. I, I'm not going to suggest for the better because we don't know where that journey ends. But it's certainly, from a financial perspective in the short term, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out that well for the acquiring side. But we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. But it has led to even Facebook, I believe, is looking into the idea of charging a monthly fee and for for certain things and so I, I think that's been interesting even though they're it seems like they're failing they've even influenced others to look into that potential aspect of a different monetization aspect and i think it'll be interesting to see uh for example i know we've talked about ai in the past but with ChatGBT being a paid-for service, they're not relying on ad revenue. If <clears throat> that'll be a different aspect of how you start to search, as you pay for search engines. If Google offered a ad-free experience where you just paid a monthly subscription, is that something you'd want to do? I'm not sure, but I, I don't. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility in the future. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Chat GPT three five is still free, but Chat GPT four is right. pay. And I have to confess, as as recently as today, I was using Chat GPT the free version three point five, and asking it to give me some coding samples of some things I was trying to do, and they were 
they were pretty good. I mean, they were plug and play almost. It was, uh, it's impressive what that generative pre-trained transformer can do with, with the add-ons. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, um, go, go uh, ahead. No, go ahead. Well, it's not free. <laughs> it, it is not free. Yeah. They're, 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 they're training their algo from me. So I'm, I'm helping them build that sucker. Yeah. We got the product. So, or in this case, training the product, but with our minds. So, <laughs> hey, well, yeah. Well, I'm not training it that well. Don't, <laughs> don't get too excited. <laughs> no, I hear they have a JJ version coming out. Soon, oh, that's going to so. be great. Yeah. It's, it'll, it'll, it'll be the worst, worst chatbot ever. <laughs> it'll be grumpy in the mornings. The board's had its coffee and gets sleepy at night and all kind of terrible things. So yeah, it'll it'll have a buy JJ a coffee token. Yeah. I, I like it. Hit me with a Starbucks coupon. I'm ready to go. Because <laughs> heck, Starbucks is getting expensive. I, you know, it's hard to fund that. Factual. Factual. So uh, it's in, so 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 nothing's free. Was chapter fifteen. I got I got to give a quick shout out to the next two chapters, chapter sixteen, you and me, where he talks about the social comparisons and financial decision making. Uh, comparing ourselves to others leads to poor choices, and oh my gosh, is that true? Yeah, it's 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 terrifying in our society. The old adage of keeping up with the Joneses and how many folks can fall victim to that? And I mean, all of us to some degree, you know, have a friend group and we're going to look at what the people in our friend group has. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, so-and-so has that. I should be able to have that too. Right. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I, I'm a little bit better at controlling the impulse, but it doesn't mean the impulse isn't there. Um, and then after that, they go into the, the seduction of pessimism. I mean, you're too young and optimistic for this to resonate with you, but Pessimism is a real thing in the world, and it comes easier than optimism. And I thought that that was a really good chapter, not just about money, but just about general behavior of people and, and how it would relate to money. I didn't know if those two jumped out at you at all. or Yeah, I, I definitely like the, the social comparison. I think I, I do pretty well on that aspect. So it didn't stand out to me. and. But mainly because, like, I, I learned a long time ago that I will not be able to keep up with others. Hmm. So it's, it's always been pretty easy for me to to be able to see other people like, that's really awesome. I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, and, and also, one of my favorite quotes of, in relation to this is, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, there's always going to be someone who's who's better than you in everything. You... Unless you are the, uh, the you know, it, it is extremely rare to ever be the absolute best at something. And it is for a very select group of people. And it, even then, it's always subjective, almost 99.99% of the time. And so being able to stay in your own thoughts and compare yourself to yourself is the most important thing is i could ever relate is how are you doing 10 years ago what were you thinking and how have you improved from 10 years ago because i can look at myself 10 years ago i was 17 
<laughs> and I, I can think of myself, wow, I, I I can't even recognize my own thought presses that I might have had whenever I was 17. I've grown so much in 10 years. I could list X amount of achievements. But at the end of the day, I know there's someone who went from 17 to 27 who's probably a multimillionaire. There's probably someone who's, you know, there's people with who are married of my friend group. There's people who have gone way further in their career and, that about and all sorts of different things. But I am able to compare myself to me and I've improved since I was 17. And I think that's something you should always be cognizant of because it, it's not you versus your friend or your colleague or who you're seeing. It's you versus yourself um, and, and what you're happy with. 90 9.99% of the time. And it even isn't a big deal if you are you haven't improved in 10 years. If you are able to have that cognizant, hey, I haven't improved in 10 years, but I, I'm trying and I see where I went wrong and you're trying to improve it. I, I think just having, you know, that psychology and like that understanding will allow you to only become better. And, and if you're looking in that type of context, it's, it's really important because it gives you, again, different perspective of, of how your life is shaped. And it, it can even go into like the earlier chapter of like luck or risk or, and so many different factors that, that play into your life that, may, that you may have not been able to control. That was a really good chapter, by the way, the, the yeah. luck and risk chapter. But yeah, I hear you, man. I could not agree more. Basically... The metaphor you're delivering, Don, is that life is a game of golf, and I'm only <laughs> competing against myself, and somehow I still always lose. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've ever finished a game of golf. So. Uh, I've, I've finished a game of golf, but ne'er in a good mood. So, um, But I, I, do enjoy, I, I don't play very often. When I do play, I enjoy it. So uh, it's, uh, I, I've played a game of golf, uh, and it was sensational. Uh, I'm terrible at it, but I, I remember I got a single good hit. And I, I've never forgotten it. I, I still live the high of hitting a drive <laughs> a few hundred yards a single time being the pinnacle of my golf career. Hey, man, a good, a good hit will carry you a lot of holes. It just, it just feels good for the ball to do what you meant for it to do. Yeah. And, and that's improving. Yeah, I, I, man, that was, that was a great description for someone as young as you are to have that awareness is awesome. Because we, we we have to look at ourselves every day and not try to compare ourselves to other people. Because you are spot on. There is there is always a smarter person in the room, and there's always a faster thinker, and there's always a richer person. And if we start comparing ourselves to those folks, it'll do nothing but drive us crazy. But if we compare ourselves to ourselves, we can see that we're getting stronger and smarter and more patient and all the things we want to be in life so that was awesome that was a perfect description yeah absolutely so yeah i mean this this book was something i was i was really i was like man when you suggested this i'm like oh yeah i remember that book i think i read it and then i went back yeah. and read it again and it was it was actually really good i i took away a lot more the second time i read it than i did the first time so i was really glad to go back yeah, and I, this was my, I, I think I've had like the previews, but this is my first uh, listen, and it, it was definitely really unique, and it, it had me trying to see 
who, what type of other like leaders have like taken psychology courses? And because I, I think this is like a movement, and there are people who have taken you know advanced degrees in psychology instead of say economics or um, other courses to understand like human behavior, and because human behavior it. And that it impacts everything, you know, including finance, but even like leadership paths. And I think it's like a really just interesting perspective of, of not something you would typically think of in a finance space. And so I, I think that, that is super, super interesting topic to encroach. Well, you say that, but I mean, whether it's personal finance or big investing of, of a hedge fund, everybody's working from their instincts and their guts and their philosophies and everything else. So how we feel about money, how we think about money will always color how we act as it relates to money. So, you know, I, I think it's really the beginning of the journey for anybody to say, well, what kind of, what kind of predispositions do I have? What kind of biases do I have? What kind of, you know, bad habits or good habits do I have as it relates to money, just like anything else in life, right? Right, right. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. This, this, I, I really dug it. I, I mean, I was trying to think if I had to give it a rating, what would I say about this book? And I don't know. I mean, I, I was trying to say, should I rate it against like all books everywhere? Should I rate it against like finance books? I don't know. Should we even try to give it a rating, or is that just too much? Should we just yeah, say, we, give it a thumbs up or thumbs up. down? Or <laughs> I mean, I, I think thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm giving it a thumbs up, and I'll I'll go ahead and kick off a rating. I'll go I'll go seven point nine out of ten. I think it's a good. That's a it's very a good, precise good. number, Doc. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just what that's where my first instinct was. Seven point nine. I don't know. That's that's the number that popped out in my head. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like, so I'm, I'm gonna also give the book a thumbs up. I'll say that. I, I don't think I would. I, I can never be as precise as that on a rating. I think of it. I, I'm thinking seven point nine. Like that's a C plus. It's a seventy nine. I, I think I was with you. I was between seven and eight, so I was gonna say a seven point five since you okay. put in points. But, um, <laughs> I, I think. I think for me, there's individual chapters and sections are really well written. The book reads easily. It, the the one thing I, I wish it would have had a better like, it didn't really have. It had a central theme of the psychology of money, but each chapter was addressing things that were so notably different that they tended to feel sometimes standalone, right? And so there wasn't yeah. this singular arcing thread that took you from the beginning of the journey to the end of the journey. And so when he got to chapter, I think it was 19, he called it all together now, and he summarized all the themes from the book. I went through that chapter and I was highlighting, okay, this and this and this. I got to have like 20-something highlights in that chapter, right? So it is a, there's a lot of stuff that's good that he covers in the book. It's just hard to organize in my head, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And I couldn't remember all of his different examples he quoted. It, it, it definitely jumped around and had a lot of a lot of different examples from a lot of different areas as he talked in the book. And so 
Uh, I definitely agree. That that was something that's that's hard to keep track of. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like I, I'm going to say we like the book. I, I, you know, is it is it going to land in our top ten books all time? Unsure yet. I mean, it's definitely in the as finance books go. I'd say it's in the top twenty right now. Yeah, but I've yeah, read, I've read a number of finance books. <laughs> it, <laughs> it might be in the top ten. I will say this: the narrator for the audio audible book is uh, Chris Hill, and Chris Hill is the host of um, Motley Fool Money, which is a daily podcast from the Motley Fool. And I I'm a longtime fan of that podcast and of Chris Hill. So hearing Chris read the book was really entertaining and he even talked about the book at one point on the podcast where he said when when morgan who's a, a former co-worker a longtime friend of his said he was writing a book he said well, if you write the book I'll, I'll 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 do the audible i'll read it for you and so a year or two later morgan comes back maybe it was even longer maybe it was like four years later morgan comes back and goes say okay get ready the book's going to publish. Here's 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 the first copy. Let's let's get. It. And so he realized, oh gosh, I've got to read this book. And he's used to these short snippets on a podcast, and he described how hard it was to sit there and read the whole book, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, yeah. um, but I enjoyed it for that too. I I probably almost pushed it up to an eight just because Chris Hill was the narrator of it. Yeah, and I, I thought the narration was was really great on Audible. He's a sometimes. It's not the best. Some Audible books. It's who's who's reading or who's who's, who's talking about this. Is it? It can definitely make or break a book. No, I think Chris is Chris has just got a voice for audio, and he's really good at it. And I thought it came over really well. So, yeah. Well, cool, Don. I, is there any any final thoughts on the book, or you you want to move on to? I think one of one of our more favorite spots in the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, we can. We can. I think. I think we summarized the book up and and touched on a lot of good parts. So you, you might not even have to read it. I think <laughs> we covered the really good parts. We're, we're not trying to. We're we're not cliff notes here, dude. <laughs> we, we 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 would we would recommend that people read the book. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, but no, that definitely brings us into our uh, our bacon bit of the week. Oh, and so much pressure with this bacon bit, Don. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've had it on the 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 back of the the back of the stove cooking. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> and uh, so we we have uh, it's food related, and uh, we're we're gonna be talking about our our favorite home cooked meal, our restaurant meal, restaurant. And our favorite drink, both non-alcoholic and alcoholic. You want to start us off, JJ? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, first of all, let me say that this was really hard, Don. Because you're, like, asking me to choose among, you know, sacred things here. <laughs> okay. So, just a caveat before I jump into this. I got to let you know. I was on vacation recently. And, and I came back. And I may or may not have eaten a little bit too much on vacation. I was like, okay, I got to get this under control. I got to put myself on a diet. So I'm reducing my calorie intake. So the irony that you're making me talk about food while I'm on a diet is not lost on me, Don. 
<laughs> which makes everything sound delicious. But okay, so my favorite home-cooked meal, this was a problem. As usual, I was trying to cheat and put two different choices on there. If, if, if it's a gun to my head and I have to pick one, my wife's seafood gumbo is my favorite home-cooked meal. It's, it's, it's a pretty rare occasion because the ingredients are kind of expensive to put together. So it's not a cheap home-cooked meal. But when she makes it, and she made it uh, recently for uh, Christmas uh, Eve dinner, and it was outstanding. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and I'll, I'll concur here. I, I've been fortunate enough to try it, and it is sensational. So. It, it is good. Yeah. The, the first time I've ever had an oyster. I, I never have tried oysters before. I didn't even know what it was whenever I was eating it, and uh, it's really good. That's flavor. Yeah, it was really great. So. Yeah, and I mean, I threw in her taco soup, which is also one of my favorites. I'm a big soup guy, so... Gumbos, soups, etouffees, all those things from Cajun cooking really resonate with me big time. If you, if you put gravy over rice, I'm I'm there. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. I I love. I also love gravy over rice. I love gravy over a lot of things. Actually. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know if I've ever tried yours. Yeah, uh, pepper steak is uh, it's my mom's. Um, like it's her dish. My mom doesn't have too many dishes, but this is her her dish. She cooks it sparingly because it's a lot of prep work, and um, it's it's hard because I have such a large family. So she has to do two huge pots or pans of it um, to feed everyone. But it is pepper steak, and it is it's like a I think it's an Asian inspired dish, um, but it is super savory has like a, a good great broth and it's bell peppers and onions and steak and oh my this gosh that sounds so good rice <laughs> and it is phenomenal um it, it's it's her number one dish it's a it's a banger every time everyone in my family loves it they'll come over um anytime she makes it so it's it's a it's always a pleasure when we get to have pepper steaks. Oh, I'm so hungry now, Doc. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It really does. Yeah, I love all of those really things. Good. Yeah, mm. and also has tomatoes. I, I forgot the tomatoes. Still, too, but... still loving it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's really great. Oh. Uh, so this next one was even harder. You asked me to choose my favorite restaurant meal and or restaurant again. Okay, so. We live in the metroplex of Houston, Texas, right? So this is a restaurant-popping city. I mean, we're not talking... We're talking some really diverse cultural dishes. There's a lot of Asian influence here. There's a lot of um, you know South American influences here. There's a lot of Americana, a lot of European influences. The food in this area is amazing. And some of the restaurants are killer. So I was really struggling, but I just, I went, I went, I went kind of Gennaro, but I'm, I'm going to say the restaurant is, uh, ironically, because I, I don't get to go here very often, but it's a restaurant called Papa Cita's, which is here in Houston. It's part of the Papa's family of restaurants. So it's a, it's a sort of a private chain here in the Houston area, and they do, they have different types of restaurants, and Papacitas is their Tex-Mex place, and they have like their beef fajitas, and man, 
Oh, it used to be like a favorite dish of mine on Father's Day. It's like, where do you want to go? I want to go to Papacitas because it's a little bit of a drive from where we live and got to go into town. But yeah, I just, I was really digging it. And so that's, that's the one that I chose. But there are so many restaurants. Uh, I mean, I feel like if I had to give a second choice, Taste of Texas is a, a steak restaurant here in, in the west side of Houston that is absolutely amazing. It is is my family's favorite restaurant destination for special occasions. We love it. So had yeah, to get- I, I, I hear you like your steak well done. Right? I do not, Don. <laughs> what kind of foolishness is that? Who burns who takes a perfectly good cut of meat and burns it? <laughs> I mean well, uh, you I kill it. what is the uh, the most difficult steak to cook, so Oh my gosh, man! I, Technically, I, a, a filet mignon, uh, maybe a, a six-ounce filet on absolutely perfectly rare with just a red warm center. It's just boom, so good, Don. So good, very good. Very and Taste good. of Texas always executes flawlessly. They're they're amazing. So yeah, and a, and a side of ketchup to dip it in. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm going to find you and I'm going to whack you on the head for saying such a blasphemous thing. Yeah. Oh, can't forget the A1 steak sauce. So. Dude. <laughs> I went to taste the Texas with a friend of mine. And one of my friends, he, he asked for the steak to be well done. And it comes out, you know, well done steak to me is sort of akin to shoe leather. And then he pours A1 sauce over that beautiful, what was once a beautiful piece of meat and is now char broiled. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. I think uh, I think Hank Hill said it the best, and that was um, to if 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 someone asks a what for a well done steak, you just ask them to leave. So I agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, you trigger me, Don. You trigger me. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. what, what's yours? <laughs> yeah, mine, I. The way I went with mine, I have a lot of restaurants I like, and I I don't think this is like my number one restaurant I've ever been to, but I think this is the most frequented restaurant I've ever had in my life. I love this restaurant. I think it's just the salsa is great. It's a Mexican restaurant, uh, just like yours. It's a has great salsa, great dip. It has a spicy ranch sauce, um, and it's called Chewy's. It originated in Austin. I think it's only local to texas they have it in houston and austin for sure there's one in san antonio too i think okay yeah at least i saw i I went to one in san antonio yeah i love this chain it did get worse because of covid and i'll never forgive covid for taking away what used to be the free nacho cart happy hour Ooh. Uh, i'll I'll just go over what it was every day four to six you could come in, you could get drinks, and you could have unlimited queso with ground beef, onions, all the works in this little cart every single day, Monday through Friday. And they also have phenomenal drinks, just the best. A really, really great margarita, really great beerita, really great uh, Mexican martini, and you could just, you could drink and you could eat for free at any day, four to six during their happy hour. They got rid of that because of COVID and it did take a hit in my heart. Um, so but I, I didn't know that. 
<laughs> you never will know. <laughs> so <laughs> they not bring it that back. Well, what's interesting about uh, we? So some friends of mine at, at, at work, we go to lunch together, and, and Chewy's is a regular. We'll eat at Chewy's at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, and but we're always eating at lunch. So I've never had their margaritas because you know I got to go back to work, and I've, I've never been there for happy hour, so I didn't know. Yeah, and their 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 nacho car it, it is deeply missed. I, I will say it was amongst my absolute favorite things out of any restaurant that I've I've ever been to. And uh, yeah, I can send you um, an image of it, but it oh was <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. Um, and the drinks were half price, so it, it was just a really great deal. Uh, drinking kind of on the cheap and okay, I saw um, this thing there. I didn't know what it was though. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They they got rid of them from, and I don't think they have any plans to bring them back. But oh, uh, they also have just great cheese enchiladas, uh, and it's just it is it's not the most expensive place. It's very it's reasonable. It, yeah, it is reasonable and it's consistent yep. and it's good. And I I I can't ever fault them. And I think it. Literally, I went here every single week for like the entirety. I lived in Austin uh, with a friend group. We would just do uh, we do Chewies once a week, and um, it was great. It was always a great time. Do you know what you're doing to me, Don? So here's the problem: <laughs> I'm I'm trying to diet, but my friends are gonna go to Chewies every week, so I'm gonna be sitting in Chewies, not <laughs> eating chips and salsa, and eating a salad. <laughs> That's that's some type of torture. Oh I don't know my gosh! To yourself, but. what are you gonna do, man? I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta curb the curb the the appetite. I gotta get get my portions under control. No, I, you you just gotta you gotta eat. You gotta enjoy yourself, and then just you know do a long walk. Oh, get man. the steps in. I, I'm always a. I prefer to eat and then work it off, but I can't. There's no way I could ever go to Chewy's and eat a salad. I, I don't think I'd forgive myself at their, that point. Their Mexicob <laughs> salad is pretty tasty, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. I Not having queso, not having their salsa, man, that's a tough one. It is quite... It's, 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 it's painful. I'm going to be honest I, with you. <laughs> I commend the discipline, though. It's, it's, oh, uh, you don't know, that's man. That's a tough one. You have to... <laughs> Chips and salsa and ice cream. Those two things are kryptonite for me. Oh, my gosh. You got to do the, the Halo Top ice cream. Have you <sighs> seen those before? I have, I've seen them, yeah. I have never tried one. I've seen it's them. It's actually really good. Really? I'm like, it's really, really good. Except, like, don't ever try it and then try real ice cream. Yeah, like, yeah. It, I, uh, but it, in terms of, like, if you haven't had ice cream a little bit and you try one of them, it'll, it'll satisfy the sweet tooth and... uh get you through there and it definitely definitely pretty tasty for what it is yeah i've seen it but i haven't tried it we've got some ice cream bars in the freezer that are like 110 calories or something there so that's all yeah. i got to but i'm not, i'm trying right now i'm trying to just get the momentum going on losing some weight so yeah i'm i'm there with you i i the scale just keeps going up i don't know <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you didn't give me a like low end restaurant choice, but uh, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll just ignore that and we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can go to our our drink of choice, non alcoholic, and the fun version, alcoholic. Yeah, well, so 
Man, I'm pretty boring. I, I, I've, I've been a soft drink drinker since I was a child. And I think growing up, I was probably not so much ADHD, but maybe ADD. And uh, so I might have been using Coca-Cola when I was younger to self-medicate and stimulate myself some. But to this day, I still am a soda lover, but I very rarely will drink a normal soda. And I tend to, when I drink soda, drink like Diet Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper or something like that. But if I'm going to drink the soda of choice, it's going to be the Dr. Pepper, nature's perfect beverage. <laughs> yeah, I I can I can respect that. I think it's a little too sweet for me. I've always been, if, if I'm talking soda, I want it to be less sweet. Um, I don't know, but I, I used to drink a ton of soda, but I, I actually don't drink... I try to never drink soda at this point. I, I'm better than I used to be, but I'm, I'm a work in progress for sure. So, yeah. And, and uh, I, I, oh, good. You want to go ahead with your non-alcoholic first, then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go with my non-alcoholic is a, a Topo Chico with lime, uh, and it is. I, again, I, I just said I don't really drink soda. It's because I I used to drink soda an extreme amount growing up. I always we always had soda in the house i would drink like six to ten sodas a day and it would be a problem i <laughs> like i i drank a ton um and so uh it it in later in life it was actually legitimately hard to stop drinking so much soda but eventually i got through it like diet coke was or i think it was coke zero was like the the part and then finding like seltzer water because i was so used to the carbonation and uh then going to, to just seltzers was was super helpful agree yeah sparkling water is definitely a, a good substitute for if you're a soda drinker it's a good transition point i i do also love toco chipo with lime i have a bunch of them in my fridge right now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and now now i i drink a soda and it's really really too sweet for me so uh, it's, it's one of those, like once in a blue moon, I just want something like that. It isn't very frequently. And when I do drink diet drinks, they, I think they're a placebo for that effect, but you know how it goes. I mean, it's yeah. hard, it's and, hard and, to break habits. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll still have, if I'm at a party and they just have some sodas, again, the discipline for me to, fortunately, they usually have beer too. So I, I'll grab a beer over a, a soda too. <laughs> that, that also helps my not drinking soda. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a healthy choice. Uh, wait, oh, oh, but wait. <laughs> so. so when you talk about alcoholic drink, I didn't think about the plethora of alcoholic drinks that are out there. But if I'm, I, so I, I'm not a big drinker. Don't drink very often. When I do, I I will drink a variety of things. Anything from a a beer to a uh, a margarita to a uh, cocktail to a even a um a straight neat whiskey on on ice. So if I'm gonna pick the alcohol that I'm most frequently gonna drink, it's probably gonna be beer, and it's probably gonna be Dos Equis most of the time, which is uh uh. It's a Czech style lager, but it's technically like a Mexican beer, and it's uh, it's it's I just dig it. There are other things like I really like margaritas, but I just don't drink them that frequently. It might be like at a restaurant or something like that, but I do like Dos Equis quite a bit. So, 
Dosecki's Lager is my alcohol choice, I guess. Yeah, and a great beer. My my a lot of my siblings' favorite beer is Dosecki's. Are there? Their go-to beer of choice, but most drank, most often drank. They have good taste. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love a Dos Equis. I love cervezas just in general. Um, but uh, I'm always a go-to beer person. Uh, beer over anything. I, I've tried, you know, I, I've tried to do whiskey on E. And I think at, at one point I had acquired the taste for it, but I lost the taste. It's just, I, I can't do it. It, it is... Even if it's nice whiskey, I, I understand it's nice. And I can taste the flavor, but I just don't think there's anything like an ice cold beer. Um, it, well, and it's don't be knocking the frozen strawberry margarita, Don. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like the frozen drinks too. I, I prefer like on the rocks. Is definitely if I'm getting a margarita, just because it's too cold. You so, get a brain brain freeze and. So on the cruise, we had a beverage that was, I, I actually, I captured the ingredients because it was so interesting. I wanted to be able to make it at home and it was called a lavender martini. It was called a lavender patch martini and it was outstanding. Interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to trying to make this beverage now that I'm back home. I, I I took a picture of the ingredients on the menu and see if we can find the proportions for it because it was quite tasty. I've heard of that before. You'll have to perfect it and buy me over for a drink. I will do so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then particularly, it's been Corona. I don't know why I've been digging Corona so much, but that is the current flavor of beer that i've i've enjoyed the most but i've definitely gone through i definitely just tend to isolate to one and and try to stick to it but then i'll get tired of that and i'll, I'll move on to a different one so so corona has i forget one of the hops in its hop bill is called saz s-a-a-z or something like that and that's sort of poppy almost weak ipa taste that you get out of a corona is coming from that particular hop the saws i'm not a particular fan of that hop which is why the coronas aren't my favorite i mean i don't hate them but i think that's a flavor you either like or you don't and for me it's like eh, i don't know it's just not my yeah. bag yeah but yeah i get it no i mean i'm uh my sister loves corona lights i think coronas are pretty popular beers so um yeah well, cool. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, we threw out some recommendations. So if anybody's traveling to Houston or lives in the Houston area, you, we gave you some things to go check out. Well, you can go to Don's house and have pepper steak. <laughs> you can meet him at Chewy's for enchiladas or, uh, meet us at a bar for Dos Equis and Corona because we're pedestrian beer drinkers like we should be. So yeah, the only way. Well, Don, it is awesome to have you back on the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. I'm glad we we're able to reconnect and restart up the the best podcast on earth. So. I I would like to agree with you, but uh, I'm too knowledgeable to agree with such a silly statement. But I'm going to say, are you are most you, improved? So we talked about the psychology of money. One of the things was. <laughs> Was not compared yourself to other podcasts. As far as I'm concerned, JJ, you're number one. Okay. Because, 
<laughs> really? Go ahead. Tell me what you're going to say, Doc. <laughs> Because well, if you listen to number one and then you listen to our most re- recent, it's been nothing but improvement. So. I agree. That's what I was going to say, too. We are <laughs> we're improving. And, and All right. Okay. World's most improved podcast. I like it. Well, in our defense, there was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> but um, no, yes, I agree. We are improving every day. So, woo <laughs> All right, well, we're about that at time, Marker, so we better let these folks get back to their lives. <laughs> Sounds good. Don, I look forward to doing this with you again in the future. So until then, take care, man. You too. Bye. This podcast is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors, and content is for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should do your own research or consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. And as always, thanks for listening to the Piggy Bank Chronicles.